everyone, and welcome to the Kajabi Edge podcast, where we talk to real entrepreneurs to give you an edge on Kajabi. I'm your host, Jared Lohman, Vice President of Customer Experience. And today I'm joined by my friend, Megan Walker, Director of Market Savvy. How is it going today, Megan? Hey, great, Jared. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you for being here. And you're coming to us uh, from the opposite side of the equator, um, I believe. <laughs> Uh, coming from down under. Very hot, sunny, humid Brisbane, Australia. <laughs> okay. And I think uh, you're you're probably extra early then compared to where I'm at. Is it probably tomorrow morning for you, right? Yeah, no, this is very humane. 10 a.m. Okay. the day in front of you. <laughs> okay, not bad. Well, how is the future, first of all? Anything you should be aware of? Future's great. Always okay. great in Australia. <laughs> Come and visit. <laughs> I love it. Tell us all about, like, we can you can solve the wordle for us, uh, for everyone else. Uh, of course, by the time this makes it out... Uh, uh, actually, on the podcast feed, it will be old news. But <laughs> in any case, uh, just to kind of get the ball rolling, uh, traditional form is like, give us kind of your 15 second elevator pitch um, for a little bit about who you are, what you do. Yeah, sure. So I'm a health and medical marketing professional um, specialist, and I work with predominantly general practitioners, allied health and specialists, mostly at this stage in Australia and New Zealand, but I'm starting to get some from the US and um, the UK as well. Well, which is great, and you know, always looking to expand at the next. That's the next step. And um, I have had a traditional marketing agency for 15 years, and about three years ago, made the transition into online courses and coaching. So I teach those practice owners how to deliver their own ethical marketing, so they can reach the right types of patients and clients. And I also teach those people how to create their online courses. So we're packaging up health and medical programs that then can reach people anywhere. So my whole you know, raison d'etre is reach more people, change more lives. So I believe hugely in health equity. And then if you've got a health condition, you want the best person with the course and the telehealth that can help you and you don't care where they are. And so that's what I want to bring about as my mission for Market Savvy. I love it. And like, tell us like, what came first? Like, were you, you mentioned you had a marketing agency. Were you always focused on the healthcare industry? Do you have some background in healthcare? How did you, how did you land in healthcare? Yeah. So I've been in marketing for over 25 years and in my career when I worked for other people, uh, that terrible phase of my life, I worked in hospitals and medical research institutes as a director of marketing. So, you know, I did all the traditional, like put events on and gala dinners and fundraising and write the annual report and all of that sort of stuff. But started to get a lot more clinicians saying to me, oh, you know, we need a website. Can you do that on your spare time? And, and all of these sort of things kept popping up. So back in 2007, I decided, hey, let's test this and start my own agency. And it was very traditional. It was uh, right writing brochures. It was um, billboards, for goodness sakes, back then, print ads, you know, all of those sort of big campaigns to promote medical practices. Um, yeah. So that was kind of traditional. I had seven full-time staff and we ran that model for about seven years um, and it was completely exhausting and soul-destroying <laughs> at times. <laughs> and anyone who works in traditional agency knows that the client can change their mind at any moment and campaigns that you put all those blood, sweat and tears into get chopped and changed and cherry-picked. And so, I mean, look, it was it was great. I sound like I'm being so morbid, but I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. But that model was the more I worked was the way I earned and then paid my staff. So it was an 80-hour show. It was um, do anything for anyone at any time, day or night, take no holidays and hope like heck you don't get sick. So that's kind of, yeah, that was that was the model of, of how I worked. And then um, I had my daughter who's now nine and just went, hang on a minute. What happens in a business like that when you reduce your time, it falls over or it has it's, um, had some significant constraints. So I looked to change 
changing it. Well, I guess that, yeah, I completely everything that you're saying uh, resonates. Uh, I actually have some agency background myself, so I, I know where you're coming from. Like the idea of taking a vacation. I remember like the first time I took a vacation after starting that, like I was probably I ended up having to go back to my hotel room probably 50 times just to deal with something because like your yeah. income is tied to your ability to serve your customers like that's you are stuck 100 which is not a bad thing serving your customers but <laughs> the idea of a vacation can be like a little bit crazy um oh, so absolutely yeah i tried to take maternity leave and got five weeks in and you know i had planned really extensively to take solid six months off and you know enjoy that time with my new little bubba and five weeks in there's a client saying we want you we don't want your staff members we want you fronting this and if you don't show up next week and deliver this workshop we're pulling the account and that account was attached to two people's income so there yeah. I am with like you know and I won't bore you with all of the hideous things that happened to a woman five weeks after she's had a cesarean but let's say standing up facilitating a workshop with leaking breasts and all the rest of it was a real turning point where you go hang on a minute something has got to give here I have got to change this and, and that's when I started looking about how can I package up what I know and start selling this as a product and just absolutely ditch this notion of selling time which is madness um it leads to exhaustion and burnout you can't scale time you know and so forth this is this is really cool because like i think a lot of the the interviews we've done on the podcast so far have really been focused in on people who have like been in corporate america and they make the big shift and what's cool about this is like you you went to from corporate not corporate america corporate australia to um agency which has like kind of like this i guess perspective of independence that which does exist like you do have Mm -hmm. that independence but like most people don't realize the cost of the independence of running an agency are being independent and so you actually took this and transformed your independence into hopefully i don't know the answer to this yet but hopefully true independence before we dig into that though um like i i'm still i'm still curious a little bit more about like this the the medical aspect of this. Um, I'm sure you don't hear this every day or maybe you do, but like I was thinking, I, I was just thinking as I was uh, kind of preparing for this, uh, this, this conversation, it's like, I actually have a friend who was in the medical field who ultimately, and this is kind of coming from looking at your website, ultimately ended up getting rid of their practice and just moved into a hospital and got a job. And like, and like to me at first, cause I only, I only had one friend in the industry, you know, that, that was, it didn't seem that abnormal, but like, as I was reading your website, I'm like, maybe this is like an actual, it, this is a big thing for independence. Yeah. Medical practices and allied health practices aren't really that much different to how a marketing agency is set up. You'll have your key principles that earn the, you know, the higher hourly rate. You'll have your, you know, other practitioners that are charged the lower rate and it's leveraging time and employees. It's getting graduates, paying them lower, charging them out higher. It's a really, really similar model and it has with it the exact same constraints of time. We've got practitioners who are working longer hours than ever. Burnout, there's huge fluctuations in income. And, you know, we we just have this assumption that doctors and physios and psychologists are just rolling in money and and some of them just barely getting by paying their rent and paying their practice manager and their staff and their nurse and not actually taking that much home for themselves afterwards. Put onto that COVID and all of the, you know, regulatory requirements, the huge amounts they've got to pay in insurance and legals. And it's also a really constrained model. So having, I'm having some great wins turning that on its head and, you know, having 
having these digital clinicians now who are so much lighter in the way they work. But I'll let you ask me that question before I go on a tangent. <laughs> no, not at all. I think this is it's 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 really intriguing because it is something like like medical practitioners are undoubtedly another le- they're they're entrepreneurs. Like they're entrepreneurs that don't call themselves entrepreneurs, and that's something I only realized by working directly with them. So like mm. I guess um for you like. Uh, I really want to understand, and I think our listeners would be really interested. The other like kind of standout thing to me is is like just when you think that like everything under the sun has been exhausted in terms of ideas, like this is the first marketing focused for medical. Maybe I'm sure you undoubtedly have some competition. You're more aware of it, but like like I think it's kind of inspiring for the listeners. So like um I guess tell us like if there are any like any insights like you came from the medical industry. Like where did the medical knowledge and the marketing knowledge merged did you were you always inspired by medical or are you marketing first yeah yeah oh no look i'm i'm human first the message for me is like it's connecting you know like we have the cochlear ear was invented in australia in the 70s and marketing allowed that to reach people now that seems a bit arrogant but the the beauty is the invention of course i'm not trying to take away from that but that's now 737,000 people who've got the the gift of sound and speech of hearing and speech now if we don't don't market those ethical products and services. How can we have impact? It'll just be an invention that sits in a, on a bench in a shed somewhere. So I see it as a real symbiotic relationship. Um, clinic clinicians, uh, there's so many of them who are so heartfelt and are doing such amazing work and have new ways that they've, you know, oh, done a rehabilitation on an ACL of someone's knee. Well, let's promote that so that other, you know, sports people can continue their sporting journey. Like it has such a role in connecting that great work with the people who need it. So I sit really in the middle and, and, you know, as a conduit to both those worlds. So it's kind of like, maybe, is it fair to say that it's passion a little bit for you? Like you've, you've yeah. come to love the medical industry. I, the reason, the reason why that stood out to me is it's like, I, I think if you, if you're a, and obviously human first, but like, if you're maybe like, if you're a marketer, just like maybe you're a freelance marketer and you're listening to this, or you, you, you have expertise in a particular field, aligning that with like where, like lining that with an area of expertise. So like for you, that yeah. was medical and like just kind of understanding the why behind that. But that, that's really cool. I think any time that your passion is able to line up with what you're doing is huge. It's critical. You know, the Simon Sinek work is so important. You know, get both books and read them, folks, if you haven't, because I, I did. I read both of them, you know, three times. Uh, what is it? Discover your why and start with why. And they are so true. Like, you know, there's, we'll, we'll talk a little bit soon about the journey of actually going from agency to course creator, I'm sure. But there's a transition point in there where I call it crossing the desert of you know, you're, you're doing your full-time job and you're doing your brand new full-time job. And, and that's a tough transition period. And in that, the thing that gets you through is your passion. So if you tap into those standout moments in your past, as Simon Sinek says, and the, the things that really resonate with you and what gets you out of bed in the morning, that's what gets you through the crossing the desert and the webinars that don't quite hit the mark the first five times that you do them. And, you know, the, the people you sign up and then they, they ask for their money back in the first few weeks. Like you've got to just have that belief in something. And it could be anything from, gosh, yoga, flower arranging, you know, dog grooming, whatever it is. If it's what floats your boat, as we say in Australia, and and there's enough people who want and need it, then lean into that and keep tapping that passion. You know, and, and it can't be wrong when it uh, starts out right. Yeah. And I bet I bet you it also makes you more effective in what you're doing. And authentic. And if you go into this going, I'm going to get rich, like that, that has a, a one-way track. Whereas if it comes from a passion, it 
has a loop because the loop refuels you. Whereas I don't know, like it's great. Don't get me wrong. I'm I'm ready for my next Kajabi swag to come in. Like there's a huge high that comes from from making money for sure. Sure. Money makes things possible, but it's not the main driver. I I personally believe. Well, let's let's start diving into just what we've been kind of alluding to, like the transition from agency to digital. Tell us like how that. I mean. you did a great job explaining like the the downsides of the agency, but like I imagine like getting up and running in this space does not come without its own problems and its own issues. Um, so maybe we can just start there. Just start start with where you started on the digital transformation. Yeah, so I was looking around for a few years. I joined a coaching group and they didn't understand what I was talking about. And then I I did a bit of dabbling around and was researching. And of course, you know, beautiful Amy Porterfield's materials pop up in Facebook and you start looking at it and going, hang on, this she's on to something. So I did Digital Course Academy probably four years ago and then thought, yep, I'm going to just launch my signature program in February 2019. And it was the Allied Health Marketing Academy. And I had 17 people sign up at I think $1,500 each. And I just thought, this is right. I'm on the right track. There's enough interest here, even though, you know, it's not a tiny launch, but not a massive launch. You know, it was enough to say we're through the first gate. But leading up to that, the big thing that I had done right was six months prior, run, or actually 12 months prior, running a whole heap of different webinars on different marketing topics and then ringing all of the people with their permission who attended. And it took me so long. What did you like? What didn't you like? What else do you need? Where are you stuck? What else? And there would have been at least probably 40 free coaching sessions that I gave away to people who'd attended some of my webinars as well to say, tell me more. Why marketing? Why now? Okay, there's a shift in reform. You've got more demand coming. There's more competitors around. Okay, suddenly you as a physio have got five other physios in your local area. You're not getting the GP referrals. You have people are finding you through Google. Okay. And then that's how I crafted my first course. So I suppose the research is absolutely key. Um, Don't research the point of procrastination though. You know, like I always say to my clients, like 10 good conversations of, of one target group on one topic will just feed you so much richness, but carve that out. We, you know, I think it's easy for us to go, I know what's best. I know what my people want. I know what they should have. You know, we get filled up with should. It's like, oh, hang on a minute. Have you actually asked them? Ask them and then design your course and then launch it. Do a beta test. And then it's the 1.0. Do it again. It's the 2.0. Do it again. (laughs) So that course has been launched five times. I've had hundreds of people through it now. And I'm actually just changing it to an evergreen baby course. It'll be $500. Um, They'll learn how to set up their own marketing system. And that's my my starting point uh, with the health and medical fraternity to get people in and get them comfortable with marketing and it's not the antithesis of, of values and ethics that it can be good and it can serve. But that came out of research, launching, trialing, feedback, refinement over three years. So yeah, it's kind of a, a like a lot like marketing in general, like is is a very iterative iterative process of testing, learning, adapting, iterating again, testing again. Um, so uh, just to zone in on like, I, I think that there's a really like kind of crucial point there that like, I don't know, not even to just repeat it, but like, I think it's worth letting this settle in for you. You said you took six months, like effectively doing free webinars, like just to (laughs) begin to give, like get to get you that audience built. I think it would be useful just to talk a little bit, like even just how you got people in the doors to the webinars. Like, you know, if if I'm, you know, just getting started, how did, how did, how did you start that process? Yeah, yeah, sure. So I picked, um, uh, yeah, so all of that was while I was working full time as well, like client work, seeing people by the hour back to back 
all day. So all of these different calls and things were nights, weekends, you know, just cram it all in. So no luxury of going, oh, I'm going to take six months off work <laughs> and do some research while I wish. Um, but I, I know, knew through my consulting work some of the pain points people were having. And we have a really strict um, regulatory environment in Australia, which is a good thing. You know, you can't say, I will cure your cancer with this concoction that I created in my kitchen. You know, and I'm sure that applies around the world as well. Sure. But there's, you know, thank goodness, there's some really strict guidelines preventing that kind of um, activity. So I knew that that was causing a lot of confusion for people. So my first webinar was understanding the APRA guidelines and how to, what you can and can't do because a lot of practitioners and therapists and clinicians were saying, we can't do any marketing. We can't do any marketing because we're so restricted. And so I'm actually running that same webinar again next week. I've got the top health lawyer in Australia co-running that with me to say, here's what you can do. Yes, here's what you can't do, but here's what you can do. And that's our flagship webinar that we get a few thousand people come along to and we do it once a year and it's free. And that's a real, I suppose, from the back end side of things, that's that fills the database. Like that's a really big database fresher, but it's the thing that people want most. So that the starting conversation, it also says for my audience who are skeptical of marketing, that hang on, I've attached myself with something that's quite trustworthy and ethical. So it gives my brand a boost in the same breath. So for people starting out, look at the problems that, that your audience is already telling you. If you're lucky enough to work with clients already, where are they stuck? What do they struggle with? What's the possible, possible thing that you can solve? And look at having that as a webinar topic. Maybe have three topics that you trial, You know, run one a month over three months, see which one uh, hit home the most. Run it again, put some paid ads to it. Uh, run it again, get a, an, an affiliate to partner with it and help you promote it. Run it again, turn it into a course. You know, So I think it tests trial and then go lean in. Yeah. The, my, my, my infinite curiosity is, is kind of plaguing me at the moment, but like when you are targeting these, these medical practitioners, like, mm -hmm. I guess I just want to understand what is the, uh, what's like the typical problem that they're facing? Like, are they trying to get more patients in the door? Is it, is it like the example you mentioned of like a particular invention or like what, what are they, what are they caring about when they market? Yeah. So a few different things. Some have got big waiting lists. So there's some particularly psychology, you know, we're having a, um, a real demand on all of our mental health services post-COVID. So those particular practices are looking at alternative services or products that they can offer to help people, such as an online course, while they're on a waiting list. So that's a perfect scenario for a psychology practice who might say, uh, look, it is going to be six months before an appointment. That's ethical to stay on that waiting list. That, that is a question they've got to ask themselves. Like, are you preventing that person from actually getting the help they need by keeping them on your list? Question for another day. Um, but it might be if that person is a good candidate that they could do a six-week mindfulness course while they're waiting. So there's that kind of overwhelmed group that can use an online course to help with that backflow. They can also bring in courses from other practitioners, like if that person was struggling also with some lifestyle. Do they need um, a dietetics program on how to understand food labels when they go shopping? You know, Reduce your salt intake this month and just start with that while they're waiting. So that's kind of my busy, overwhelmed group. And then the other problem, some are starting out um, and want to, you know, as we all did, want to run my own business. I'm going to be rich. I'm going to have freedom. <laughs> be careful. <laughs> um, there's there's plenty of that group in the middle who just need branding and awareness, you know, get me more clients and patients signed up. Um, and then there's, I suppose, the, the third bucket that as I see it is the expansion group. We've got big banner groups. Um, you know, there's a lot of franchise um, health and medical organizations. And then of course, they need the big footprint to have that, you know, constant flow of thousands 
thousands and thousands of patients and clients coming in as a traditional, um, you know, marketing process, marketing sales process. So yeah, that's how I see the three. Okay. Yeah. That's, that's really intriguing. I, I never would have even thought about like the idea of a course, uh, like supplementing a waiting list, like giving people, oh. like, it makes a ton of sense. Um, like yeah. kind of silly, but like, uh, did you, did you effectively, I, I don't know, invent this category sounds like an overstatement, but are, are other people <laughs> doing this to your knowledge? No, not yet. Um, so please come to me. Don't reinvent your yes. eyes. <laughs> um, no, and, and another really great gap that it fills is a lot of people can't afford, let's say, psychology appointment is, I'm just going to pick a number. Let's say it's typically $200 for a session, let's just say. And it might be less, might be more wherever you are listening to this. In Australia, we have a funded mental health care program. So you can get up to 20 appointments that are funded by our federal government. Now, a lot of people, that's called bulk billing. So if you charge the, the rate that the government stipulates, then the client doesn't have to pay anything. Um, but that it's not very profitable for a lot of practices to run in that way. So I often say, look, at least charge $20. So if they're char- paying $20 for their psychology session, if they can manage that, that's a much better outcome for the practice. But with an online course, you could say, well, instead of doing your 10 sessions at $20, do five sessions and then buy this course for 100 So we can reduce the price that the, the consumer is paying, still give them their mental health outcomes, but then create a scaled product for the practice at the same time. So there's just some flexibility that this is starting to bring in for people. Okay. And this kind of, I guess, segues well into kind of, I guess, what your course is actually on. Am I correct? Like is, mm. it's mm-hmm. it's on actually building the course. Building a course and building an email list and doing it all ethically and not, not promising something that you can't deliver and not doing the wrong thing by people, but actually building a tribe of loyal followers, serving those people, give, helping them with health information that they don't have improving their healthcare journey through webinars and courses and telehealth and you know group, small group sessions if that's relevant. Yeah, so that we get more people accessing healthcare from the convenience of their own homes. I've, I've just had 50 practices go through my program that we're running at the moment. All are doing amazing different courses and it's really exciting to think what ripple effects that this will have to yeah. improve healthcare. So more. <laughs> yeah. Well, like uh, maybe, maybe it's worth actually talking talking about that a little bit any early signs or any success stories that you're you're excited to share um, that you've seen from anyone on this journey with you yeah yeah so this is my beta groups so already I've got um, one lady she used to have a group program that was you know people eight ten people would come into her practice limited by space that program's now online and it's actually been purchased so she white labeled it and sold it into a large non-government organization for a seven-figure sum so that's now getting rolled out so if you can imagine she was always limited by those eight or 10 people she could fit in her room. Now we have an unlimited audience. So that's one that's come out of doing my program, which is outstanding. I've got another lady who's, you know, teaching a, a supervision style qualification to other people so that they can become supervisors. And then that's another income stream for a practice. So yeah, there's there's some really great, amazing examples coming out. But so much opportunity for online courses. It's, it's who knew? Yeah. Well, I, I think someone at Kajabi knew. Um, or at least uh, about 12 <laughs> years ago, they had an idea. 
Yeah. Um, but that also, I, I think that's a good, like kind of topic to jump into is uh, how did you end up on Kajabi? Um, and yeah. what was that journey like? Did you just, did you know about us? Like, how'd you end up here? Yeah. So through Amy Porterfield's uh, digital course Academy, I heard about Kajabi and signed up and did a trial. And then I had my early courses on Kajabi. And then I was, um, had all my website uh, built in HubSpot and I was paying like $1,200 a month for this thing that would have run like a multinational corporation. Like HubSpot's amazing, but it was way more than what I needed. And so I kind of had like two platforms running and it was a a lot of expense, Uh, but I was really kind of quite worried to put it all in one. I'm not a super IT savvy person. And then just, you know, followed a lot of the Kajabi group on Facebook. And has anyone moved from HubSpot and have you found any, you know, impact with email deliverability? And, And I was just that person asking all of those questions. And then, nope, Kajabi's amazing. It's wonderful. You won't look back, but like all of this great feedback, I just went, okay, I'm doing it. And I got um, some good photos done. I got some design done and then had a guy kind of cobble together the framework for me and just went all in. And I have not looked back. I'm saving $10,000 a year in IT. My podcast is on Kajabi. I can do so much more than what I was doing before. And I don't need a developer every time I want to create a landing page uh, or you know have some email sequence. I don't actually need a third party to help me. I just do it all myself and love it. Absolutely love it. I'm not just telling you that because it's a Kajabi <laughs> podcast. I really love it. <laughs> yes. And no, no promise, no payment to uh, Megan was <laughs> given <Zero>. to. <laughs> so uh, that, that's, that's, that's incredible. I, I, I love like probably one of the most exciting things about what I do is getting to hear from people like you who are now like doing the things that they love to do and doing this at a level, like oftentimes even on their own. Like I love the love, love how you noted that like these are things that don't necessarily require you to constantly have a, an IT staff there like some people probably do it but like it isn't necessary it's designed so that anyone can do this so I guess like any other uh, just kind of challenges and so associated with setting setting things up not necessarily on the platform but just with getting this whole beta group up and running maybe yeah I think there's a whole series of gates and you don't want to get stuck at a gate you know there's the gate of I've got to test my idea okay so keep so what do I need to do in order to open that gate. All right. Now what's the next gate? Okay. I need to build my email list. All right. Where are they? What do they want? What, what's going to be of value? All right. Schedule that out on a bunch of post-it notes, stick them on a wall if that's how you roll or Excel or I use monday.com as well. I love that for my task list, but okay. So that's your email list. Now what's the next gate? Okay. I've got to build my course. All right. So you've got, what do you need to do to open that gate? And I think sometimes with technology, we get to a gate and throw it. Well, I know I used to do this. I throw my hands up in the air and run around. <laughs> It's like, oh my God, I've reached something that I don't understand and I'm stuck. And I'm like, okay, well, just calm down. All of that energy is complete waste. What do you actually need to do to open the gate? Is it go to a Facebook forum? Is it sign up for a Kajabi chat on a Thursday, Friday? Is it a go in the go on YouTube? Is it ask for help? Is it going to, I'm, I'm in a coaching group with Colin Boyd. Is it ask those guys? Um, you know, like don't just sit there and look at the gate that's closed. Get out of your own way and work out how do I open this gate? Um, so that's something I always tell my clients because we don't want to get stuck. And, you know, when you're going through that transition of I sold time to now I sell a product, there's a lot of gates, but the great news is you only have to go through most of them once. Can you tell me more about that? Like that, that intrigues me, but what does, what does that mean? So let's say you're, you're prepared 
preparing for a launch and you had a great launch last time, you can use the majority of that again. You don't have to scramble around thinking, all right, how do I set up a landing page? Hey, I just cloned last time. Here's the form. Here's the thank you page. Here's the webinar slide. Here's the event. Boom. I've put it together in a couple of hours. Now schedule out my social posts and then run through it. It's just get it gets easier. But the first time you do all of that might take you three weeks. Very fair. I get that. Yeah. 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 You kind of like are building the framework of the systems that you're using to support like, you know, obviously every launch isn't identical, but there are probably similar approaches that you take to um, solving the same problems that you have over and over again. Yeah. That makes sense. Well, I know that like you're still like you, you have your beta group out. Like tell us a little bit about like the post agent. I don't know if you even consider yourself post agency yet, but like, <laughs> like tell us like what has changed as a result of you going on this journey? Oh my goodness. So much. Okay. So I would have had 40 clients at any one time, just myself prior. And so at the moment I have that I actually work directly one on one with, I think I've got three. And 97% of all my income comes from my online programs. And then the clients that I work with one on one, they're ones who've sought me out and have said, we will pay you whatever it costs for you to do this. And there's it's just a joy. <laughs> Those campaigns are joyful and I, I'm choosing them on my terms as opposed to begging and then being terrified that I would lose them. So the whole shift in how I work and the joy of how I work has, has completely changed. Um, I'm earning good money. I'm happy with what I'm earning. I work school hours. Uh, I Sometimes I'll start at four in the morning, but I'm always done by two, three o'clock in the afternoon. So I do the school pickup and I take school holidays off, which you know in Australia, we get 14 weeks school holidays. Wow. That's an insane amount of holidays. And it's always a real stress and a stretch to be being there, being present for your child and giving them a great holiday experience or some downtime while you've got clients ringing you every five seconds. So I don't have that anymore, which is amazing. Like that's probably the that's that was one of the, my big wins was take holidays, actually take them and enjoy them. Um, I'm doing great work. I know that it's having impact. I know that I'm helping people. Uh, my health's improved. My relationships have improved. My, I'm, I'm exercising more. Like, no, I, it's just all around lifestyle improvement from that hustling, stressing, chasing your tail, desperate mode to now quality. Um, and yeah, life is good. This is what it's about, though. It's not a dress rehearsal. Absolutely amazing. So, like, this one again, as I kind of mentioned earlier, or towards the beginning of this, like this is really cool for anyone listening. I don't, I, and actually, I don't know, like this would be really cool to find out. Like, I don't know how many people listen to this who are maybe in that phase of like just independence and they're, they're maybe they're running an agency and looking for opportunities to change. But like, I love, I love that that was the path and the journey for you because I think that's such a, it's something that so few people understand unless you've been in that hamster wheel of just constantly, constantly moving, sometimes feeling like you're not going anywhere, um, you know, unless you're in the process of trying to replace a client that you just lost like there it's it's a it's a really unique area so seeing you seeing you take that go from that state of of being on the hamster wheel and turning that into something that ultimately provides you the freedom that most people are probably seeking out by moving to independent work um you've actually achieved that so absolutely amazing i'm i have i'm at a loss for words now I, I would um, say one piece of advice. Last year, I got a coach though, and that made a massive difference to when you are working by yourself. That and I I, um, I pay the extra and I get the one-on-one Kajabi support as well. And I find those two sources of coaching has been a huge, um, given me a huge uptick as well. And why I reached out to Colin Boyd is the coach that I work with. He does speaking training for course creators. And so my launches were going pretty good. But the thing that wasn't really dialed in was how 
how I was presenting my webinars and how I was encouraging people to come on a journey with me without being salesy. I wasn't doing the salesy. I was actually just over-teaching and giving everyone so much that I wasn't maximizing sales. So Colin's program teaches you, and I'm not an affiliate. I don't get any kickback from this. <laughs> it's just was the, one of the biggest success factors in where I am now is to structure your webinar and your content in a way that takes people on a journey. And he's very big on using diagrams to explain your process, which is gold because then instead of over-teaching in a webinar, you're talking people through your diagram. So they're still getting value, but you're not giving away all of your content that's inside your program. So it's this beautiful sweet spot. And then the the sales process is very natural because people say, well, I want the whole journey. Where do I sign? Um, I did it in a webinar last night for 500 psychologists and I filled up my wait list for my next program because of Colin's teaching. So fantastic Aussie guy, check him out. (laughs) Just so good. But but unless we can sell, we also aren't going to get the sales. Yeah. Well, that's, a, I think, a, a great uh, transition. Uh, like, Tell us like, what's next for you. What's what's in line? You've got your wait list full. Yeah. Yeah. So I'll open the doors again in June. That's for the um, Private Practice Online Course Academy. So it'll be a three-month intensive getting some more courses created for people. Um, and then I'm going to start working with some universities to actually be measuring the results and the outcomes of these courses because we can't use testimonials in Australia. But we can say of the 200 people who've been through this program, X have you know reduced symptoms or such and such. I want to start verifying the data of the outcomes of the programs. So that's the next step so that a clinician can can actually have some evidence around the impact of their course that they're creating. And um, you know, it's like a winery, you know, you it start with the, the soil. I was telling my husband this, you know, it's like soil conditioning, plant the plant, all cost of fortune. You've got another job on the side. Then one day, you know, you start selling some wine, get enough money, build like the cellar door, and now it's inviting more people to come and experience. So that's probably the stage I'm at now is more he- like heavier on the marketing, starting to go international. Okay. Off we go. <laughs> well, you know, I, I know this isn't aligned perfectly, but as you're talking about like the, the testimonial testimonials that you you cannot use, first of all, one for, for you, when I got on your site, I was like, I was wowed. I saw you interviewed Seth Godin, which, Seth Godin. you know, <laughs> marketing legend. Um, so like you got some serious uh, street cred for that. So testimonials to you. For our listeners, testimonials, we can, in fact, take testimonials. So please, like, leave us a comment in your review on the podcast if this this content is useful for you to you, if useful to you, and if you're even remotely ex- as excited as I am when I hear this stuff, because it is probably one of the most inspiring parts of my day to hear stories from people like you and others across the globe who have transitioned from you know the corporate nightmares to even yeah. <laughs> moving from that state of supposed independence to uh, true independence. So if you if you took a moment to leave us a review, we'd greatly appreciate it. Before we uh, kind of end this off, like I guess Megan, maybe you could just like anything that you want to like touch on that would like for anyone who's maybe an entrepreneur or an independent, like any like other key advice you've given us so much, but like anything else that you'd think of that we'd like to share with the, the listeners. Yeah. You know, using a system where you can be really organized is a, is a big help as well. Like I have a paper calendar that sits on my desk with um, you know, key events on it. And and I have that just as a visual and above it, I've got my values. So I'm looking at that, you know, quite a few times throughout the day. And then the breakdown of that, I use monday.com, as I mentioned, and I have, you know, like everything that's coming up and the tasks that I've got to do. And I found doing that gets it all out of my head. And then I can just look at the month ahead and go, okay, cool. All right. Now, what are the two non-negotiables for each day? So getting organized like that, um, I mean, you can take it even further. You could map out your whole social 
media. I don't know. When I get that organized, I start rebelling against it and go, <laughs> no, I'm not going to. I'm not going to be that dictated to. But at least having a bunch of it mapped out visually in whatever way that works for you, get it out of your head. Um, Monday's also really good for your course design because put all your topics in and you can move them around. They look like post-it notes. So I find that visually is really helpful and then tick things off and you get confetti and it's like, woohoo, I'm a yeah. winner. <laughs> so, so getting organized is really good. Doing the research up front, getting that feedback. Don't die wondering. You know, if you don't know something or you think you're guessing, then you have an ask problem. If you get to that gate and you're stuck, go searching. And my last point would be overwhelm happens in this, especially when you look and you think, I've got so many gates to go through, but just one at a time. Just focus on that one that's there and then woohoo, I did it. That was my one gate for this week. And then next week's going to be that gate and next week and so forth. And just keep moving. Don't get to it and panic and throw your hands up in the air and quit because you'll be a lot closer than you think you are. You know, 18 months ago, I was in exactly that situation. I was doing all the client work and still getting my courses together and launching and then the exhaustion of launching and then not quite hitting my numbers. And then I met Colin and I, I dialed in a few extra things and hit a six-figure launch. So keep going. So, so good. And like one thing just to throw out there on top of all of this is like, and I just know this from personal experience of doing this, like to get that out of your head and get that started, like toss it on a piece of paper, grab a napkin if you're sitting at a restaurant, <laughs> like all you need to get going is a pen and a paper. And I tell you, like at the bare minimum, like just kind of like what you just brought up, like don't leave it. I forget the phrasing that you used, but like, don't, don't, uh, what, what was the, what was the exact wording you used? Like don't, don't die wondering. Yeah. Don't die wondering. Okay. Yeah. I, I, that's what I was thinking. I, but I didn't say it. Brutal. Um, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, don't die wondering, like put it on paper. And like, if nothing else, like it's amazing the clarity that you'll get from just like trying to write it out and giving yourself an outline of like what this might look like. It will inspire questioning. It will give, it forces you into this mode of like having to think this through without maybe like the natural tendency is to go download some software or try to find some guru or some, you know, crazy, fancy, exactly. magical method. Put it on paper um, is a wonderful place to start. And ask 10 people. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I love it. And start, I go, I know we're just ping ponging now, but like, like ask those 10 people, like everyone has at least, at least a few people that they can get going with. Like if nothing else, you have a parent, a sibling, mm, a child, mm. a cousin, an aunt and uncle, like everyone has someone to start, like start yeah. that process. And, and, you know, we, as we, we loop back again, you know, that, that why, what, what floats your boat, what drives you, what's your passion and what's a problem you want to solve. Yeah. Like, you know, a lot of my health stuff comes from seeing family members suffer as a kid. You know, you really tap into that why again and go, well, I don't want to see people languish because they didn't know that this service was available and could have helped them. So, you know, there's a thread there and go, okay, well, if I feel like that, then other people are going to feel like that too. I'm not alone in this. And and if the problem's big enough, then there's a big enough audience. Now, does that audience have the ability to pay? Okay, all right, we're on to something now. Start testing and, and again, off we go. Back to the gate. <laughs> <laughs> Australia is this great, huge country with lots of gates. <laughs> well, speaking of, of gates, we should probably, we're probably kind of coming to the end of this journey. I don't know if it's a gate. It's just the, the gate that we're going to open up to, or we're going to open up next week or pause. There you go. Before we open up to the next conversation, but thank you, Megan, once again, for sharing like all of this, all of this gold, like it's really great advice, really inspiring, really appreciate you being here. Oh, thanks so much for having me. I love talking about it. And if it inspires one other person, then Hey, do it. Just, yeah, I'd, I'd love for more people just to feel the freedom of having 
selling a product and just getting off that hamster wheel of selling time. That's one shift that you can make out of listening to this. Then more than delighted to have shared that with anyone who wants to pick that up and run with it. Amazing. Well, that is all we have for everyone this week. We look forward to seeing you all next week on the Kajabi Edge podcast.